somebody else. I'll, I'll come back to me. She's not in trouble. Everybody's like, oh, she's going to the principal's office. No. no I'm going to ask her to do something here in a week or two. So that's all it is. Sharnan, I need to see you if you don't mind. So that'll be, that'll be good. Don't you love coming? You're going to, everybody's sinking down in their seats. What's going on with you guys? All I'm seeing is the top of heads. No, that's okay. Everybody's safe. <laughs> we've been talking about the Holy Spirit uh, the last uh, few weeks, and we've got one more week of the series. We'll end it up on Father's Day next week. And we've been talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. And depending on how you grew up and what denomination or church setting you grew up in, you're going to have a different perception of who the Holy Spirit is. Um, if you grew up in a charismatic Pentecostal background, you understand who this Holy Spirit is, gifts and, and the moving in the gifts. If those of you grew up like I did um, in Methodist or Baptist, maybe Church of Christ, you have a different view of the Holy Spirit. Catholic, many of you grew up with nothing, and so you don't have any idea what we're talking about here. And, and so what we've tried to do with this series is really I just want to bring clarity. Now, it's really one of the passions of my life. When I get up to talk to you guys I want to just share with you from the heart of God and just bring clarity to the word. I think so many times we feel like the scriptures are just too complicated to understand. But I want you to know, Jesus was the world's best at making spiritual things very simple and clear to understand. And I just want to help emulate that like he did to where we can come in here and talk about deep spiritual truths. But they're very simple to to grasp. I don't think it's the understanding that's the problem. I think it's the implication or the application. That's the issue. I think most of us understand what Jesus was saying. I think it's just very difficult sometimes to put it into practice. And so what I want to do in this series on the Holy Spirit is really just help you see, get a full picture of who he is and who he is to you and what God's plan for him in your life is. So I've called the uh, title of the series today or the message today, Gifts, and we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. If you look in your notes, uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. And uh, this kind of talks about a guy named Apollos and Paul. And here's what it says. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, the apostle Paul, took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. Now, if you circle that word disciples, here's, here's the deal. These people are Christians. They're disciples. It didn't say unbelievers. It said disciples. And so he, he finds these guys that are Christian believers. I say guys. It could have been guys and gals. There he found some disciples, and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, and they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know what you're talking about. We believed, and he said, they're saved. He said, but have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about. And so in this series, I just want us to understand, what are we talking about? What does this even mean? So let's talk today briefly about God's gifts, and I'm just going to define three of the overarching gifts that God gives us today and talk about those. But but before we do that, let's let's talk about gifts for a second. To to have gifts, how many of you like to receive gifts, first off? Okay, there are actually people that don't. If you didn't raise your hand, let me make note in case I ever decide to give you a gift. I go, oh, they didn't want one. Okay, let me ask again, how many of you like to receive gifts? Better response, okay, better response. Most of us do. We like to receive gifts, and there, but there's two parties in gift giving. There's the giver and the what? The receiver. So there's the person that is giving the gift, and then there's the person that's receiving the gift. So let me ask you this question. Do you have to receive a gift that is given to you? Somebody said yes. No, I would say no. I would say if somebody offers you a gift, and maybe you have before, somebody said, hey, I just want to give you something. You said, no, 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 I don't want that. 
I'm not talking about the flu. I mean, you know, like a packaged gift. Now, Trish isn't in here. She's overworking upstairs and in, in for the kids' ministry right now, so I'm going to tell stories this morning that you are not to repeat. Uh, but in our house, uh, we have some gifts that are, are sitting in a box, and these gifts were from like two years ago for Christmas for some family members that we have not seen. Now, those gifts are wrapped. They have their names on them. Uh, there's a giver, but the receivers have never received their gifts. And so they sit there. And I want to tell you, those cakes have probably gone, but no, it's not cake. It's fruit cake, which will last a thousand years. No, but the, whatever the gifts are, I don't even know that we know. It'll be a surprise to all of us when they receive those gifts because, oh, wow, we're glad we got you that. <laughs> um, but, but there has to be a receiver. So there's somebody that's prepared the gift. The gift's ready to go, but the receiver has never taken it. So when we talk about the gifts that God offers us, God may be offering the gift, but there may be people that are refusing to receive it, okay? So I want you to keep that in mind as we talk about these things. So here's the first gift that we're going to talk about today, eternal life, the gift of eternal life. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does that tell you? Eternal life is a what? Gift, but there has to be a what? Receiver. Those of you, probably almost everybody, if not everybody in this room, hopefully everybody, has received the gift of salvation that Jesus paid for. But you know what? I bet you and I both know some people that have not received that gift. They realize the gift is available, but they've never received it. And I can just tell you as a pastor, a lot of times I hear people say, well, I tell you what, pastor, once I clean my life up a little bit, then I'll come to Jesus. Have you ever heard anybody say that? My life's such a mess, I'm not going to come to church. Never forget it. Years ago, I was standing up here preaching, and, and it was right, well, it was before service, but I was up here on the platform, and I looked over, and there was a guy that walked in the door. And I don't know what the definition of a hillbilly really looks like, what a caricature looks like, but I'm pretty sure this guy was him. He, he walked to the door, opened the door up. He's wearing like overalls, long hair, looked like he had literally just come out of the woods, right? He didn't have the jug, but I think he pretty much had everything else. And here's what happened. He walked to the door, opened the door, and stopped right in the door facing. And I'm watching. And then he stepped in and looked around and then walked in and during greeting time, I went over and introduced myself to him. And I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, why did you stop at the door? He said, I kind of figured I was going to be hit by lightning. <laughs> I think he meant it. <laughs> and and so, so here's the deal. I would, I, would, I would take a guess that he probably had not received the gift of salvation. And probably the reason he hadn't received it is because he thought he wasn't good enough. He thought he had to earn it. And that's what happens to a lot of us. But you know what? Here's what's interesting about a gift. You can't earn a gift. See, if you have to earn something, it's called a wage. You know, yesterday, Miles was mowing the pasture. I did not gift him money. He earned it, so I gave it to him. But a gift is something that can't be purchased. It can't be earned. It is given freely. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says this, For it is by grace 
that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the what? And this just says it all right here. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, you can't earn salvation. And that's one of the hang-ups for many people. But I want to tell you one of the great truths of Christianity, of our faith, of the reality of our faith, is that we just receive it. It doesn't matter how bad a sinner you are. When you receive that gift, it's yours. Isn't that good news? So that's the first gift. Now the second gift we're going to talk about is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verses 4 through 5 says this. This is Jesus talking. I always like to pay attention when Jesus is talking. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, talking to the disciples, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And just like salvation, what he's telling us here is there's another gift for you. Now, the third gift we're going to talk about, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today, are spiritual gifts. That's your blank. Spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. Now, how many people are from the South? Let me see your hands. Okay, most of you. Here's the deal. I'm going to explain for everybody in the room the word ignorant. (laughs) And you've got to say it right. Everybody say ignorant. That's how you say it. There's other vowels in there. They mean nothing, okay? Those are just extra. It's ignorant. And here's the deal. If you're like me, you grew up, somebody in your life probably looked at you after you did something and said, you are what? Ignorant. Anybody? Am I the only one? (laughs) Some of you have said I'm ignorant. So, I mean, you know, that, that is a term typically used in the South, but we actually use it incorrectly. And I want to explain the difference between ignorance and stupidity, okay? Actually, let me quote somebody a lot smarter than me. Listen, we are all born ignorant, but one must work hard to remain stupid. Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) I appreciate the quote. Somebody sent that to me in between services. We are all born ignorant, but we must work hard to remain stupid. I think that's great. There is a difference between ignorant and being stupid. Being ignorant simply means you don't know. And that's okay. If you don't know, like right now, as an example, I'm not a physician and I don't understand heart surgery. If you fell down on the floor and you needed an immediate heart something to happen to you, I am ignorant in how to help you. Unless I pray for you and you get healed, you're probably going to die. So don't do that if I'm the only one around, okay? Why? Because I am ignorant when it comes to that. I'm not stupid. I can learn, but I'm ignorant. And so I think it's very interesting here that, that Paul says, and this is important, now about spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12:1, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand what these are because you need them. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says this, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can what? Help each other. Now let me explain theologically a, a couple of things for you here. There are gifts of the Spirit, which we're talking about today, and there are fruits of the Spirit or fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, the fruit of the Spirit, which is talked about in Galatians, are these inherent qualities that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life are available to each believer, okay? It's what these fruit of the Spirit are. And they are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are are the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit living in you is going to produce those things. Those really have a lot to do with character and how we live in life. Those are the things that are resident in us. But the gifts of the Spirit are very different from the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given to us. Why? So that we can do what? What does he say? A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Who is each of us? Pointed in each of us. That's right. All of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can do what? Help each other. So let me explain this to you. Here's what spiritual gifts are. They are supernatural tools. Supernatural tools. Let me give you a definition here. It's in your big thought. It should be in your notes or it will be on the screen. Here's, here's what a spiritual gift is. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability. You can circle that that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. So a supernatural gift, a, a gift of the Spirit, is like a tool on a tool belt. Now, now, Steve is a police officer, and Steve has a duty belt, okay? And on Steve's duty belt are all these different tools, And whenever he runs into a situation, he has all these tools available to him. And some of those tools are used for different circumstances and situations. And just like a carpenter or a dentist or anybody else, you have different tools. And different tools do what? Different things. And you use different tools for different things. Some of you use a hammer for everything, right? But that's not, hammers have a very specific purpose, but they are a tool, right? So what we're talking about here, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, we're talking about tools that are used to advance the mission of the gospel. Does that make sense? And let me read to you what these tools, as Scripture tells us, what these tools are. The first one is word of wisdom. The second one is a word of knowledge. The third one is faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, Distinguishing between spirits and tongues. These gifts are not to be confused with the fruit of the Spirit. They are distributed for a purpose. So here's what I want you to understand. God gives us these supernatural gifts because there will be times that we will need them to overcome natural situations that we're facing. Let me say that again. God gives us these supernatural gifts because there will be times that we will need them to overcome natural situations that we're facing. If someone's sick and you begin to pray and the gift of healing operates through you empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's not you. See, that's the cool thing about spiritual gifts. It's never about you. You can stay very humble because it isn't you. It's the power of God what? Flowing through you. That's what these supernatural gifts do. So what happens is you can be facing a situation and then God can give you the supernatural gift you need to know some things that maybe you need to know. Maybe it's pray for someone and the miracle power of God flows through your life. Maybe it's a gift of prophecy so that he shows you some things that are going to come. These gifts can be evident in everyone's life. And here's the deal. It's not related to your skill set. 
give you an example. Have you ever seen a small child go pray for someone and God move? The gift of faith operating in that child and God can move through that person. Typically, you know who has issues with gifts of the Spirit? Us. Because we're too smart. And Jesus talked about how the faith of a child so many times, they just believe. And I want to tell you, there have been different situations in my life where I have seen the supernatural power of God work through me and help me do things that I didn't know how to do. Because those of you that know me know I don't know a whole lot. And I'm limited in a lot of my skills. But what I've learned is that God can supernaturally empower me and you to do what he needs you to do at times. And that's what we're talking about here. And that's what Paul was talking about and what Jesus was talking about. So let's talk about understanding what these spiritual gifts, their role. I'm not going to talk about the specific gifts today. I'm going to talk about the gifts as a whole. So let's talk about what understanding spiritual gifts is really all about. Look at number one on your notes. The first thing that you have to do is discover the gifts that God has for me. You need to uncover and discover what these gifts are. I want to tell you a quick story. Back in uh, Victorian England, there was a lady that grew up as a servant in a home. And she served this family her whole life. She was just like a family member, uh, had served them faithfully, was just amazing and wonderful. But she was illiterate. She didn't know how to read or write, which wasn't, un- which wasn't common, uncommon at that time. And so she grew up in this family. And as she got elderly and was unable to serve in the house anymore, she had had a small place in town where she went to live. It was very poorly furnished. She didn't have a lot of money, but it was where she was going to spend the rest of her days. But before she left, the family got her together and had written her a note, written her a message, and gave it to her. Well, she could not read, and so she took the note home and put it in a picture frame and mounted it on her wall. And this picture reminded her of the family and their love for her and and her love for them. Well, years later, she lived pretty much in poverty. Years later, someone came in, and, and she was talking about the family and what she had done, you know, years ago, and And the young man looked up on the wall and said, well, what's up on the wall? And he said, well, this is a letter that the family had given me, and I don't read or write, so I I framed it to remind me of them. And he said, well, do you mind if I, he said, have you ever read it or had anybody read it? She said, no. He said, well, would you mind if I read it to you? She said, sure. So he took the the note down, and as he began to read it, it was a will. And it was giving her, in our terms, thousands of dollars. And it was enough to give her money to live comfortably the rest of her life. And she had lived in almost poverty while her salvation from her poverty hung on the wall. And in ignorance, not stupidity, in ignorance, she lived in poverty. And the reason I tell that story and that I've told it before is because it is absolutely the best example that I can think of that many of us as Christians live in relation to the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God has given us these amazing gifts and these amazing promises in his Bible, but because of ignorance for most of us, and sometimes it is stupidity, but most of the time it's ignorance, We don't ever walk in the fullness of who God God has called us to be. We have the ability to be here, but we live here. And just to make you feel better, 
I think that's probably most of us. It is. We live underneath our potential. Because here's the truth, and I think it has a lot to do with that song, Good, Good Father, today. Jesus loved you, he died for you, and you received him as Savior. But he makes it very clear in Scripture that it doesn't stop there. God has called you by name, and he has handcrafted you, and you are a masterpiece. He has a plan for your life, and he has supplied the Holy Spirit to empower you and give you the ability to do some pretty amazing things to accomplish in your life. But what most of us do as Christians is we receive the gift of salvation, but we don't receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, or we don't walk in the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we do it out of ignorance or fear. And so we live underneath our potential. And we try so hard in life to be good. And we try so hard in life to accomplish and do things. And we are also those people that say, well, I'll pray for you, but I don't know if anything's going to happen. And you know why? Because you're trying to do it in your flesh. I keep a uh, prop in here. It's not for you, really. It's really to remind me. I've used this so many times over the last few months. Your life is this vessel. This is you. But what happens to so many of us, instead of reaching our capacity and pouring out like God wants us to, is that we've got holes in our bucket. And this is one of the biggest holes in our life, is that we're so far beneath our potential. We try to do in the flesh what we can do here, but there's a hole in our bucket. And if we'll patch that hole up and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, he will fill us up and pour out to other people. And that's exactly what Paul's saying here. He's saying the gift of the Holy Spirit is given to you. Why? So you can help each other, it says. But if you've got holes, you're not gonna do much good. And some of you have holes. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got holes. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> Let me briefly explain to you this point. Discover the gifts that God has for you. Let me explain to you for a moment the purpose of the church. And I'm talking about the church universally. Why the church was created. And I'm going to start by telling you the role of the pastor in the church. Here's the pastor's job in the church, according to most people, to preach on Sunday, to visit people in the hospital, to marry people and bury people. Does that sound about right? Am I missing anything? Does that sound about right to y'all? That's what I grew up thinking. That's their job. That's what you do. Oh, and they golf. Apparently, they all golf. They do that, right? But that, that in our minds, and I'm just talking about culturally, that's usually what we think of pastors. That's what they do. Do you know that that's not what the biblical definition of my job in the church is? You know what my job is? The Bible says the, the job of the pastor is to equip the saints, which is you, for the work of the gospel. That's my job description. When I go to heaven and I stand before the Lord one of these days, He's going to say, all right, Chris, let's talk about how many hospital visits you did. It's not even on there. Now, that doesn't mean I don't go visit you in the hospital. I've come and visited some of you at the hospital. That is part of what I do, but that's not my primary function. My primary function is to help Wardell find his spiritual gifts, help him become equipped in those gifts, and use them for the body of Christ. 
That's really my job. And I teach and I preach and I exhort and I correct and I do all those things that I do. That's my job. It's very much like what Mr. Bruner does with the band. I'm the director. But my job as the director is to get the best out of you and help you discover your gifts and release you to your full potential. And that's a pastor's job. The job of the church is to be the body of Christ in the world and reach out. It's you walking in your spiritual gift and leaving this place and going out into the world and allowing the power of God to flow through you regardless of your vocation. See, it's not about it's Sunday, so now I go to church, and we're segmented in our lives where we have our church life and our personal life and our business life. That's not how it works. You only have life. Okay? There's not, let's get up Sunday morning, go put our Jesus on, and then we leave and go act like heathens. That's not what this is. What happens is in your life, when the, the power of God lives in you, it's not primarily, not primarily to be used in here. It's primarily to be used out there. Do you see that? So what I'm talking about here is when Steve walks out this door as a police officer, the power and the presence of God walks with him, and he walks with the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and he's a missionary as a police officer with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When John's out doing firefighter stuff, it's the same thing. And here's the newsflash. Whether you're cutting hair or you're working at the bank, you're at school, you're a student, you're mowing yards, it's irrelevant. Your vocation, guys is not the thing. The gifts of the Spirit are to be used every day in all walks of life, and you are, in effect, a missionary out there reaching the people around you. And that's what the church is. And I wrote some notes here about that. The church is more like an army than a hospital. Our job is to equip and train you for a mission. Yeah, there's medical people there that heal you up when you have bullet holes, and we all do, right? But once your holes are patched up, you're on mission. And Matt, when you're at the store, you're on mission. Right? Larry, you're retired. When you're fishing, you're a fisher of fish and a fisher of people. Say amen, Marty. Go ahead. That's fine. (laughs) But, but here's the thing, and I want to say this. I said this first service, and I am so passionate about this right now. Carol, listen to all this, okay? Here's the thing. There are many of you that are in the season of life right now where you are retired or retiring. That's good because we have stuff for you to do. There is no retirement in the kingdom of heaven. And, and I want to tell you, and I don't know what the statistics are, but, but I know they're there, and I need to look at it. But there are a lot of people that work hard their whole lives and say, when I retire, I'm going to do. You ever heard anybody say that? And two years later, they're dead. You know why? Because they've been going hard all their lives, and then they get to this phase, and they completely stop. What happens to an engine when it stops running? Clogs up, doesn't it? I've been told the worst thing you can do for an engine, because I don't know, <laughs> Steve, obviously, is that is not use it. The best thing for an engine for, for, to keep running. It's the same way in your life. And so for those of you that are entering that phase of life where you have more time, we want to put you to work. You now have more times to be able to do things that God has called you to do. And our job is to help you uncover those things and then release you to do them. That's really our job. 
And, and when I think about the new building, I mean, guys, it's exciting. We're going to look out here before too long. There's going to be brrr, building going up out there. But it's not about all those people. It's about the one. It's about that child or that parent or that grandparent that needs help, that needs Jesus. And, and our job is to equip. And I'm not supposed to be the one to do all that. Primarily, that's you. So we want to get you to that place where you are uncovering your spiritual gifts and you are allowing God to work through you. Does that make sense? Look at Romans 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace that is given us. God gives us different gifts. And there are times, like that tool belt, where you need a gift of the Spirit and that will be available to you. But there are also times you're going to walk primarily in certain gifts. But God gives those based on the grace that he's given us. And here's the thing. Just because somebody walks in a gift uh, and that's their, maybe their primary gift, that, don't ever be jealous of that, y'all. It's not about that. You know, just walk in the gifts that God has given you. And it's given by the grace of God. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says this. And this is David talking to God. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. All the days of my life were ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has created you for purpose. And the and this supernatural gift of the Spirit is to be in you to help you fulfill that purpose. Look at number two on your notes. Develop the gifts that God has given me. Develop the gifts. That's one of the things as a church that's really on my mind right now that I want us to be better at. See, we want you not only to have these gifts that are resident in you, but we want you to develop the gifts so that you can be better in your life. You know, how many of you went to high school? Let me see your hand. How many of you remember algebra? Wow, a lot of you are way smarter than me. That's cool. Um, Here's the deal. You know what happens over time if you don't use a gift? You lose it. You lose it. If if you don't operate in gifts on a fairly frequent basis, I want to tell you something. If Sharnan stopped cutting hair and for the next year she went down to the coast and hung out, does that sound good? Okay, yeah, she's excited. Um, But if she went and did that and came back, it would take her a while to get back into the habit. And, and she would probably forget some things. Why? Because if you don't use any kind of a skill, you will rapidly use it. And so as a church, if our job is to equip you, we, all, we not only want to equip you, but we want to train you and develop the gifts inside of you so that you become better at using them. And I want us as a church to get better at that. You know, one of the things that we're talking about right now, hopefully launching next year, is, is a, a spiritual, uh, a spiritual gifts like a university where we really have a school of ministry here where we develop you as a disciple, where we take you deeper than you've ever been. So why? Because we want to develop you. We want you to become mature in your faith. I don't want you to know just a little bit. I want you to know a lot. But more importantly, I want you to use the gifts that you have. But we have to develop them first. Look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's interesting. I love how it says the first thing is follow the way of love. Remember, without love, the rest of it's irrelevant. Follow the way of love. And the second thing is eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I was talking to Ed Jones this morning in between services. And, 
you know, Ed runs a, a deal down in Cherokee, and they've got all this equipment. And this, this past week, his, his mower went down, which is a big deal when you're operating a company that, that, that works on lawns. And the, and the mower went down. He took it up to the manufacturer, and they couldn't fix it. And so now they're thinking they're going to have to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a big old riding lawnmower. So Ed said, you know what, maybe I ought to pray about this. So he sat down and began to pray about the mower. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, do you remember the other day when you heard that beeping sound and now you don't hear it anymore? Ed said, yes. He said, check that out. So Ed calls the mechanic at the manufacturing place, tells him, hey, this is, why don't we look at this? He said, the mechanic went in and worked on it, opened it up, and all the wires in that section were fried. Does God know everything? So here's a thought. If God knows everything and I'm his child, do I have access to that information? Then why don't I have it? I didn't ask and I'm not receiving it. This is not rocket science, y'all. The Lord can help you. But the problem most of us have is we're so busy doing our own thing He is usually our last resort instead of our first resort. And I'm as guilty as you guys are. Because why? We try to do it in our own power. And part of that is we don't want to appear weak. I want to tell you, the smartest people I know are the ones that can admit they need help quickly. Right? And know your limitations. And I want you to understand, these spiritual gifts, when he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, you better eagerly desire this. Hey, he's got the answer to everything, so I need to go to him. Because he wants to show me these things. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you. I'm going to read that again. For this reason I remind you fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you. You know what the implication here is? It's gone down. Maybe the fire that you had is not there anymore. Maybe the fact you used to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't anymore. And what Paul is saying here to Timothy, fan that flame. Why? Guys, trying to do it without God is just, that's stupid. That's not ignorant. And I'm not trying to be mean. But how many times in life do we try to solve our own problems and we are completely incapable? But we will go years stumbling along And the whole time he's going, I died on the cross, I rose again, I sent the Holy Spirit, and you're out there bonking your head because you won't listen. And I'm just telling you that because I love you. Because I'd sometimes do the exact same thing. And I want you to know that God is sitting there waiting on us, and he is available to us, and he has promised us that he'll be there for us. But we have to seek him Eagerly seek the spiritual gifts. Years ago, many of you know I worked at the ballpark in Arlington for a while. What many of you don't know or may not know is that before I did that, I was a youth pastor and mowed yards. I had vast experience. Now, really, I graduated from college with a degree in marketing management, went right into youth ministry. I was going into the army, 
God called me from that to go right into youth ministry, went into youth ministry with no experience, and then went from that and transitioned out. And, and for a season of two years, I mowed yards. I'm really good at mowing yards, and I had an amazing tan. Awesome. Because Texas in August is wonderful, okay? But I did. I had an awesome tan. And, and, but that was it. I was a decent youth pastor and pretty good at mowing yards. And a friend of mine said, hey, there's an opportunity at the ballpark in Arlington, Texas Rangers, third floor, center field. They're looking for a marketing director for the broadcast division. Well, I thought, no big deal. I can handle it. No, that's not what I thought. But I applied for it. Supernaturally, the Lord woke me up at like 2 in the morning after my interview and gave me some ideas for this company, which I called and left on the voicemail of the president of that company. A couple of days later, they offered me the job. At 28 years old, with no previous experience, I walked into center field at the ballpark in Arlington and for three years had the, the joy of running that division that went from zero to multi-million dollars. Now, I can tell you that story today with zero pride because I was what? Ignorant. I had no idea what to do. As a matter of fact, here's, my, here's the first day on the job. Literally, this is exactly what I did. I walked into my office acting cool, you know, because everybody's looking at the new guy. I walk in. I remember walking in, and in my office, it had the, the, the foldy things. What do you call those? Blinds. And, and I went into the office, looked around, shut my blinds, locked my door, and got down on my face. No lie. The first thing I did was thank God because he had just done a miracle. The second thing I did was say, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. None. There, and there's not even a model for this. There's nobody I can go talk to. What do we do? And over the next three years, I saw him do miracle after miracle. And I'll never forget, this is all true. The president of the company called me in and said, Chris, I don't understand this. How are we doing this? How is this, how, how is this working? And I, it was one of those defining moments in your life. And I remember I looked at him and smiled and I went, and he said, I know. Supernatural ability of God. If you will ask him, he will help you. And he will do things that you could never do on your own. And guys, you want to know one of the reasons I have faith? Because I've been in spots like that. Nine years ago, eight years ago. Walked into the board. At that time, we had about 85 people at the church. And we had been praying about some outreach opportunities. We didn't have any money. And, and the Lord said, do the backpack deal. And I remember walking into the board meeting. And I said, all right, guys, I've been praying. I feel like this is what God wants us to do. All right, what are we going to do, Pastor? We need 450 backpacks with all the supplies. We're going to do haircuts. We're going to do all those things. And, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be like in four months. And they, the guys were like, you know, we don't have any money, right? <laughs> yep. But I believe God's told us this, and I want to give 
absolute credit to the guys. They all said yes. That's the day our church changed. Why? The gift of faith. And it's so easy now being on this side. Thousands of people on our property, thousands of backpacks and shoes and all that. It's just what we do, right? We just roll. But I think back to when we had nothing. So when I think of buildings and I think of people and I think of you guys growing and I think of what God wants to do in our region and how he wants to change the lives of people, I have faith because I've seen him do it over and over and over again. You know what our job is? Is to trust him, seek him, and then follow his timing. And the third part's usually the hard one because it's all about his timing. Say, well, how does that matter to me right now, Pastor? Because some of you are in a situation where you're trying to do it yourself and you're living. Remember, God's wanting you up here and you're living down here because of your choice out of your ignorance. You're not stupid, you're ignorant. But hopefully what we're talking about here is gonna help wipe some of that away so that now you're informed. And when you're informed, you can make a good decision. Why? Because God wants you up here. What if, what if you decided to pursue God and ask him to, Lord, just, just track with me for a minute. Lord, here I am. Whatever you want to do. Give me what gifts you want me to have. Don't give me the gifts you don't want me to have. Lord, I'll serve where you want me to. I'll do what you want me to do. What if we all did that? Think about it. I want to tell you something. Amazing things would happen here, but what interests me more is more amazing things would happen in your family and in your work and in your school and the lives and the culture of our community would change because God is filling you up and working through you and that's what he wants to do. Do you know where it starts? Here I am. God, (laughs) if you can use a 28-year-old kid that doesn't know anything, but I'm willing, here I am. God, if you want to use, and and I'm just talking about from your perspective, if you will just say, here I am. God, I'm willing to work. I'm going to develop my gifts. There's work in this, guys. This doesn't just drop on your head. You know, there's work, but it starts with your willingness to allow him to do those things. Say yes. I'm begging you. Give him a chance. We are not the church of come, sit, listen. We are the church of come, sit, be empowered, and do. Okay? That's what I want us to be. That's what we're supposed to be. And so here's what I want you to ask yourself. Here's the first question, and then I'm going to close. Have you received all that the Holy Spirit wants you to have? Some of you say, well, I grew up Baptist. No, no, forget all that. It's not about that. Are you living up here or are you living here? Are you walking in the fullness of what God has called you to have? Ask yourself that question. Second question is, am I willing to surrender? 
because that's what it takes. He is a good father and he has good gifts for you and he wants you to seek them. Why? Because he wants to do something amazing in every person in this room's life. Let me tell you why we exist and I'm gonna close. Did I tell you number three? Use the gifts God's given me. Use them. I talked about it, but use. Here's why we exist as a church. Carol, this was the part I wanted you to hear. This is why we exist. We exist because God wants to take us on a spiritual journey to know him, know God, to find freedom. He wants you to be free. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free and heal the brokenhearted, to discover our purpose, and to make a difference. You know, I've been reading history lately and amidst the five billion books I've been having to read. But I read a deal the other day about Rome. Roman Empire, greatest, probably the greatest empire in the history of the world so far. You know what? We only know about like 20 people. <laughs> you know, think about it. How many Romans do you know? They don't even exist anymore. You know about Julius Caesar, and you know about a couple of the other ones that maybe somebody wrote about, but that's it. And I thought about that, and I thought, all those thousands and millions of people, and they're gone, did they make a difference? Did they make an eternal difference? I just want to tell you that I want us to make a difference. When we're done, I'd like to be able to look back and realize that we, we reached our potential, that we touched lives, that Sharp County and Fulton County and Izzard County and all the counties around us are better because we were here. And lives were changed for eternity because we were here and you were doing what God called you to do. That's what this is about. Here's your final blank. If we, if we know God, find freedom, discover our purpose, and make a difference, here's the final part. You will discover that you were made for this. You are never more alive than when you're doing what God called you to do. Right now, I'm about as alive as I can get. Because I know right in this moment, I'm doing exactly what I was created to do. And you know what I want? You guys to be doing the exact same thing. And that's not about your vocation. I want you to go out and be the best you can be in wherever God has placed you. He wants to bless you in your school, business, work, retirement, whatever. God wants to bless you there. But I want you walking in the fullness of who he's called you to be so that you find fulfillment. You know why everybody's running around doing dumb stuff? Because they're unfulfilled. They're trying to fill it with things that don't satisfy them. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've spent most of your life doing that. But Jesus says, God says, come to me, all who are weary laden, I'm going to give you rest. He also says, come and taste and eat and see what's good. Why? Because then you're not going to hunger anymore, he said. I'm the bread of life. So decide to do that. So, have I received all the gifts that God has for me? Am I willing to surrender everything to him? Amen? Let's stand.
Thank you guys so much for coming today. I hope that God has spoken to your hearts. Huh? Um, keep that, Charles. We'll do that next week. I forgot about it. Here's what I want you guys to do. Just take a moment and put your hand on your heart. Just forget about everybody around you. Nothing magical about this. I just don't want you distracted. Okay, so let's, let's enter into an attitude of prayer. Father, I just thank you. Right now, Lord, I want us, each of us, including me, to ask ourselves this question. Have I received everything you want me to have? Am I walking in the gifts of the Spirit? Second question. Am I willing to surrender everything to you? And I want you to know, as you stay in an attitude of prayer right here, let me, let me just tell you, everything I'm learning starts there. Are we being honest with ourselves? Are you living underneath your potential? Are you running from God? You are here today, and he has drawn you to himself. And I would just say, stop running. Surrender everything to him. Ask him to fill you, to take your life and make it something amazing. You may say, Pastor, my life is a train wreck. Look, that doesn't scare him. He makes beautiful things out of messes. Let's, let's pray this together. If you're willing, just pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender everything to you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with the gifts that you want me to have. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I release you today, I want to encourage you. Come on Wednesday. You're learning. Guys, I just want you so much to learn and learn about who you are. Know him and know what he's, who he's created you to be. Take advantage of all the things we're creating for you here and offering. Allow God to begin to work in you. And realize this, as you leave today, that's the mission field. And just allow God to work through you and touch the lives of people that are around you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your food so y'all don't have to go pray. Ah, that was free right there, okay? Bonus. Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, we would truly be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to love people and see them the way you do. Lord, help us to, to give to them of the overflow of our lives, of your love just flowing out of us. Be with us and protect us. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Y'all have a great week, okay? We'll see you Wednesday.